crazy. I love the smell of Doolin in an evening. Smells like victory. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Oh No, 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 the Wraith Rovers podcast, where we once again have the absolute privilege to talk about this Ian Murray Rovers site. Uh, So for the third game in a row, the Rovers dominated a first half and uh, Dan O'Reilly's header gave them a half-time lead. And uh, Dylan Easton's goal immediately after half-time suggested that the uh, dangerous period after the break curse had finally been broken. But an inexplicable uh, following 20 minutes saw a Dan O'Reilly own goal, a Brian Graham penalty and a Blair Alston finish turn the game on its head. But if you were worried at that point, you haven't been paying attention. And the Rovers duly did what the Rovers do with uh, Callum Smith and Sam Stanton restoring order. Um, I can't wait to get into this one. Uh, so let me introduce today's panel. Uh, first of all, uh, we have Blair Hopcroft. How are you, Blair? Absolutely buzzing, mate. Fantastic. Me too. Uh, Scott Fleming as well. How are you, Scott? Uh, superb. Can he wait? Carol Allison-Smith is here. How are you, Carol? I'm all right. Disappointed I did not spend a damp Friday evening in Kirkcaldy. <laughs> and uh, finally, he's back. Uh, Robbie Weir. How are you, Robbie? Yeah, it wasn't a two-match suspension. Um, I was out with uh, COVID uh, last weekend, so I'm doing a lot better than I was last Saturday. Albeit I did have the, the dulcet tones of uh, Davy and Neil to, to see me through that Inverness game. Uh, just one of our many comebacks that we're being enjoying. Just the medicine you need, isn't it? Exactly. Um, right, let's let's dive straight into this one then. So um, we all had a right good go at guessing at lineups on uh, on Thursday night, which was just complete folly, as it always is. Um, as um, you and Murray came back in, Scott Brown, I think, unlucky to to not be back into that lineup. But the first half, I think, certainly justified um, as it tends to have done recently. Um, Ian Murray's decision. Um, I mean, I think we can almost take that that first half as a whole because there's so much to talk about in the uh, in the second half. But um, Scott, do you want to give us your thoughts on the on the first half and and um, how that played out? I I mean, uh, just touching on the team, I, I think the fact that we spent so long talking about it during the week and uh, also just when we got that sort of heads up from the club that. Pretty much we had an almost full squad apart for uh, Keith Watson. It just Everybody just got a, a buzz straight away for that, going, Craig, how good's our bench going to be? And then uh, straight away, you must, as part of players, you must think they're going to like be going for 90-odd minutes, even with a smaller bench, but never mind with the, the players that we could bring off the bench. But... Uh, and it just sums up as well, like all the sort of score apps you get for uh, for checking scores and team lineups and everything. The one that I've got changed the the lineup for the Rovers in terms of the formation five times before kickoff. 
<laughs> it didn't even have a clue what we were going to do. So. Uh, but no, I must say, I, I kind of did think that Scott Brown might miss out just because he missed last week. Had he played last week, I think he wouldn't have been one of the guys dropped. I think it was just, he's coming back, and I think it was kind of slightly easy for um to to leave him out despite him being the captain this year I just think it was a slightly easier decision because he missed out I still think it was a very good team to go with it was set up brilliantly burn just in front of the back four again Stanton able to push up again and then Hamilton and Vaughn that that first half especially they two caused them mayhem up in their back line Hamilton that I think that's the most I've seen them involved in a first half, I think. I mean, he was involved at the pars away in the cup, but, like, he was almost involved in everything that we did. And he was also sprinting to get the ball back if he had lost it or whatever. I just thought he was brilliant that first half. But, no, I thought first half in general, possibly the best performance of the season. And I feel like we're saying that almost every weekend. It's, uh, no, we were superb. Uh, and I thought O'Reilly... Uh, there's a little bit of doubt whether it was his goal, because uh, Vaughn seemed to think he got a toenail or something on it. But uh, and also I think the keeper was a wee bit suspect. But no, he got up really well above his defender uh, to nod it in. But no, first half we we should have been more than one up though. I thought the same. I thought the the keeper is a little bit um, culpable at that goal. He he probably should get to it, but he more than makes up for that. With um, a couple of other saves that he makes in that um, in that first half, uh, Robbie, what did you think to the the first forty five minutes? Yeah, um, fully agree with, with sort of where Scotts came from and what he said. Um, Jack Hamilton did really really well. Um, just over the course of the game, just an absolute pest for their back line went and just really impressive. Um, he was a bit unlucky with a shot that Snedden actually did well to save, but generally speaking we got into the final third and so last season the major problem was sort of like we got to the final third no one there this last night it was very much a case of we got to the final third and just literally the touches that we were getting for the players that were going to be taking the shots just weren't falling to us and it wasn't anyone was doing anything wrong um we should have had more goals than we did but again that's just the way that it is um and overall a tremendous performance um, in that first half from Rovers, from our perspective. Um, I felt that Ian Murray set up the team absolutely perfectly and that uh, we went about our business and we looked really just comfortable um, in a game that was a, a a second v third where you've got a chance to go top. They gave us a bit of a doing on the first day of the season by all accounts and look at it now, it totally changed. Um, so, yeah, very impressive. I thought it was it was interesting that the almost the, the kind of critical point in those two games was the same. So when they ran all over the top of us in the in the first game, it was the centre of our midfield that was really the weak point. We just couldn't get a grip on that. Um, I mean, we, we basically didn't have a holding midfielder at all. But then last night, I thought it was the same. I thought that was their problem, that um, Sean Byrne was so good in that first half, just doing what he does. There's nothing too um, over the top. He's not sort of all action, but he's just always where you want him to be and always doing what you want him to do. And um, they could not get to grips with him at all. I was surprised actually at halftime that they didn't put um, Stuart Bannigan on just because he's a very similar type of player. I thought they would have brought him in. 
um, like Alston and uh, Kerr McEnroy, like they're good players, but they couldn't get their foot in the ball at all in that first half. After about the first two minutes, where McEnroy really looked like his uh, his tail was up. Um, I mean, a couple other chances in that. So I'm thinking um, Vaughn had a kind of a, a shot on the turn. Um, Jack Hamilton sort of slalomed through their defence at one point. The keeper made a really good stop to kind of tip it over the bar. Um, and there was one that kind of uh, Vaughn sort of dinked it into Stanton. And yeah, he just snatched it a little bit. Yeah, it just sort of almost like came off his shin, I felt, rather than actually being a shot. And you could see the sort of frustration there. But yeah, overall, just yeah, what you want. Like on a different day, it's fallen to his feet and you're likely getting a goal out of it. Set again. I mean, we've talked about it recently in, in kind of previous seasons, and we talked, we mentioned it in terms of the this Dunfermline side as well. This season have the same problem where you need to create like multiple chances just to kind of force a goal. Whereas the Rovers now start to look like actually they could score at any point. Anytime they go forward, they look dangerous. Um, Carol, could you could you believe it was only one nil at half time? No, I think we should have been three or four up easy. I mean, to give part of their credit, they looked like they'd done their homework, but were three or four steps behind. They just couldn't get things to click. They knew what we were doing, but they didn't know. They couldn't work out uh, lineups like nobody could. And they just always seemed just a little bit behind. And we were bombarding them, but just could not get it to click. And uh, follow-up question, could you believe that their goalie came out wearing the same colour jersey for the second half? Uh, I'm surprised anyone could tell the difference between the goalie or any outfield player. I mean, I was watching on race TV and I could not tell the difference at some point. So there was a few times where you're thinking, okay, that's a handball because he's out of the box. Oh, no, it's not. It, it was just, it was unbelievable. I don't know why Partick didn't complain because they obviously couldn't see their own goalkeeper, why Rovers didn't complain and how the ref let them away with it. But then... The ref wasn't the best, shall we say. Yes, I suspect we might uh, touch on the performance of Mr Alan Muir more than once uh, over the next little period. Um, Blair, why don't you give us your thoughts on uh, on the first half? And you can also, you can have the first minute of the second half as well, please. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you covered the first half really well. I think the the team lineup initially, um, I think is really brave for me and Murray. Um, I think leaving Brown out, um, as much as, as Scott's right, it is the right decision. Um, he's your captain, and he's been great all season. We talked about it, um, kind of on the the pregame one with the how do you leave him out, but how do you fit him in, kind of thing. So actually, credit to Ian Murray for kind of sticking to his guns and and doing what he's want to do. Um, I thought Mullen instead of Connolly um, was quite brave as well, but actually, if you're looking at it. If they two are going to play the 90 minutes between them, you're probably wanting Connolly to be the one coming in because he's more of an impact than what Mullen is. And Mullen's deliveries last night, again, just utterly ridiculous. Um, he's just, yeah, he's, he's really, really brave um, from Ian Murray. I actually think just before we get to this, the first minute of the second half, um, the first minute of the first half, that ball into Brian Graham and the header, and he got the head knock, a good save from Kev. And that's a minute and a half in. Um, and we talked again midweek about goals. Like, this game had goals in it. And they were talking about it in the, the pre-match on the BBC about how it was goals galore and stuff. Um, but they they kind of came out, effectively all guns blazing. They wanted to, to kind of catch us. 
Um, but I think Murray did a really good job of, of cancelling them out. I think their strengths and the width and actually the way that we set up kind of nullified the width. And I think that's why we won the midfield battle because we forced the game into the middle. Do you know what I mean? And if you force anybody in on Sean Byrne, you're losing. Like, like Sean Byrne was just, he was brilliant last night. So, so good. Cruising about. And Sam Stanton, his work rate in the first half again was brilliant. And the chances, I sat and watched it again. I got up this morning, back at seven, couldn't sleep. Um, got up and watched the whole game, the full 90 minutes again on the BBC. And it was chance after chance after chance. Um, even the headers at corners. We've not been a threat at corners. I was talking about this last night. When was the last time we had two centre-halves who were a threat at corners? Aye. You're talking 2008? You're talking probably Campbell and um, Big Marv. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, Benny and uh, Ewan Murray in League One were a threat at times. Yeah, maybe. Benny Benny was a funny one. Benny never ever really seemed to contribute massively uh... Um Goals-wise, we've always kind of had one, but it was the, the two of them last night. I, I thought they were, I thought they were great, but I thought Partick had no idea what to do in the first half. They had no clue. They just tried to seem to want to catch us on the break and, and couldn't make it work. So we get to half time, like you say, oh man, it should have been five or six. I'm walking around back to the club, going, if this is second v third, we are miles ahead of them, like miles ahead. We can't lose this. We're not even going to concede tonight. And then you come out, and we were, to be fair, we were all laughing, like, it's only 1-0. We'll come back out, first 10 minutes, they're going to score. Like, it's guaranteed. And then up pops Dylan Easton, doing what Dylan Easton does. Um, poor clearance for the goalie. Um, but, and I think this is really important, that's not why Dylan Easton scored, because he had yeah. so much still to do. Do you know what I mean? The break... He's got two men in front of him. One man kind of takes right as well. He breaks through them and the finish. And actually Vaughn jumping out the way to, to let the ball hit that bottom corner. Um, an absolutely glorious start to the second half, at which point I'm like, right, three or four. This is going to be easy. <laughs> what can go wrong? I think it's um, interesting with Dylan Easton that I know that Craig Cairns puts up so much stats into the Courier's work um, in particular, just sort of like about our like the five clubs, the players, how the how things are going. And you get some like really niche ones off like um off the stats websites. Um but Dylan Easton was like comfortably up there as one of the best for the successful dribbles in the championship last season. And I don't know what it'll be like this season. Um but yeah, it's just it's very funny because people can find him a frustrating player, but I will never have a go at Dylan Easton for losing a ball in a situation like that because the other side of it is that the first minute of that second half, he runs into two players, comes out the other side with the ball and then pings in a shot at the bottom corner. And you're saying, just tremendous. It's just exactly why. And it's it's been interesting to see over the last few weeks now that a lot of sort of fans of like, whether it's Dundee United or lower end sort of um, top flight clubs are starting to say, oh, Dylan Easton, he's out of contract at the end of the season. But the guy, and you can say this about a fair few of the squad, um, I was watching the Footy Adventures video just before we came on there, and um, Easton was sort of saying when he was at Kelty, he wasn't really enjoying football. Um, But now, just a lot of them, they just look like they're absolutely loving it. And it's great. And why wouldn't you be? And it shows so much just in terms of how things are performing on the pitch. That's exactly it, and it's it's one of these things that sort of winning sort of solves the problem for you. 
Mm. The fact that you're winning games, everybody's happy. And I think that <clears throat> goes a huge way in terms of what we've talked about, the strength on the bench. Dylan Easton was talking in his interview with the BBC after the game about Callum Smith. Like Callum Smith has every right to feel so hard done by to not be playing. But Jamie Gullen had said after the Inverness game, which is if you're winning, you really don't have anything to complain about. And all you can do is try to make an impact when you come on. But that's that's what these guys are doing. Um, <clears throat> but you, you know, you're absolutely right, <clears throat> excuse me, about um, Dylan Easton, the chances that he takes. Because that goal is, is the perfect example, as you said. He, he deliberately lets those two guys get really close to him. And then it's the little shimmy as he just kind of weaves between the two that gives him the space. And you see those where it, they don't come off for him. But those are the chances that he has to take because when it does, that's creating you know the goal scoring chances, and that's that's simply that's the price you pay with a player like that. They're not it's not going to come off for them every single time, but when it does, it makes such a difference. Um, the very similar goal to the one that he scored at Hamilton um, a couple of weeks back. Again, just yeah. the same thing, just direct running from the edge of the box, and uh, the perfect weather for a shot like that. Callum Smith is very similar, just keeping it low. And the the goalkeeper obviously is he's he's partially at fault, as you say, with that kick out. There's a long time um kind of between then and, and Dylan Easton actually put it in the bottom corner. And uh, he's just getting no chance getting down to that. I was gonna say with Dylan Easton, we've mentioned it before, but the um you're you're right, it's that speculate to accumulate thing. He's he's gonna try it and you know, nine times out of ten, if it comes off, great, because there's gonna be that one or, or maybe I'm being generous, maybe six or seven out of ten is it, it comes off. But he's added the other side to his game. He's working back. He's tracking back. He's defending. He's chipping in, um, and he's he's kind of driving us forward. There was a few times last night where he's, you know, blocking crosses. There was one he, he read the the fullback perfectly. Came in and um, covered him, blocked out for a corner sort of thing. Um, so yeah, as much as we've had players like that in the past, and you talk about a player like that being a luxury, and for me, that's they're a luxury when that's all they offer you. And I'd, I'd say Dylan Easton last season, you could maybe level that at him at times. And I know from reading on Twitter and stuff last night, there was there was St. Johnson fans in particular, actually, were talking about his time with him, um, with them, sorry, where you could see the talent he had, but he didn't work hard enough. And that's perhaps why he ended up at Kelty and Forfarn and all these other clubs that he was at. Um, he didn't do that bit. But I don't know if it's just enjoying his football, um, as Robbie says, or if it's the relationship we and Murray, or both, um, yep. but he's he's certainly getting the best out of them. And that you need that for that game last night. Yeah, um, I, sorry, I've forgotten who said it. But someone said it already. The the way that Thistle set up with their wingers and their fullbacks, you know they're going to get forward. So you need your wingers to work. Um, we have we've complained plenty about them on this podcast already for something that happened. 10 or 15 years ago, but Barry Mackay was the, as always, the the pinnacle, the kind of peak example of someone yeah. who just doesn't do that. Like, he was an absolute luxury. Yeah. Um, he wasn't even particularly luxurious, to be honest. He was just uh, no interest in tracking back. So, in that game last night, he might have still potentially scored a goal like Dylan Easton's, but he wouldn't have done anywhere near the kind of work that, and to be fair, it's not just a case of Ian Murray choosing the only guys who'll do that because he very clearly wanted Dylan Easton and Josh Mullen to do that so they're getting forward they're also covering uh, Harry Mullen and, and Jack McMillan on the other side but equally Aidan Connolly's very very good at doing that and did it very well when he came on and 
Callum Smith, if you put him on the left-hand side, he's the same. Works really, really hard. Jamie Gullen came on that side, and again, in the last couple of minutes, was down in his own corner, um, digging the ball back. I think it's a a testament to the team that Ian Murray's built, that he is, is very clearly placing a, a premium on these kind of players. So that actually, he's not... He's not settling for a, a kind of luxury player where, right, give me an attacker and I'll accept the fact he's not going to work back. He's made sure he's getting guys who who kind of um, cover both ways. And I say, I think you need to um, in a game like that. So that see was... The, just before we move on, see the out-of-contract thing? I think it's quite interesting with a few of them. We've spoken about like Sam Stanton and stuff, and there's a few that you think you know they might move on. And there's a few that are under long-term contracts and stuff. Dylan Easton's a funny one for me, though, because... Does he want to go? Like he's twenty eight, he's he's got this kind of period in his career where he's he's flourishing under a manager who clearly gets him and who he works with. You know, if a I don't know a Ross County or a St Johnson or whatever come in for him, does he does he want to go and play for another manager in a team where he's not going to have the same kind of freedom to do what he needs to do? I don't know. He's he's a funny one for me. I think he might actually hinge more on whether we keep Murray than whether we keep him. It's um, it's always an interesting one, isn't it? And I think that like you see it so often where players will get picked up by a club like a Livy over the last few years and then just like it maybe doesn't work out for them as well as they think. Like the grass isn't always necessarily going to be greener and I get that that grass being green does not pay your mortgages. Aye, Armstrong was a perfect example in that first season in the championship, but then as well, at the same time, he managed to turn it around. Just a really weird situation. Um, the one I um, I always think back to is Manny Duku. Um, like, had six months where he looked, maybe not even six months, four months where he looked unstoppable with us, and then it all seemingly looks like he chucked the toys out the pram and then he ends up going up to Inverness and then does nothing up there trying like a bear to score against us but couldn't um, and then after that he's playing in Gibraltar now I think um, for a second tier team there, I don't know, basically yeah, ah, pretty much it's just like, but again it's one of these things where the players need to do what's best for them at the end of the day because it is a short career and it's short contracts and things like that. But at the same time, the the feeling around this football club that we've got at this moment, and I know that it's been touched on time and time again, there's nothing like that. You don't see that at any club at our level or sort of the lower bottom end of the Scottish top league. Um, like It's just ridiculous, the unity that we've got at the moment, considering where we were. Uh, so, yeah. Time will tell. I think the the other example that kind of springs to mind for me is um, Scott Tiffany, who was with Thistle last season. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can easily make an argument that he's in a very similar kind of profile to Dylan Easton. So yeah. was playing in you know Thistle side that did really well last season in the Championship. He was you know one of. Uh, the first names on the team sheet in that side. You know, if he was fit, he was playing, he was contributing, doing really, really well. He was out of contract, chose to go to Dundee. Dundee. And just looking there, he's played nine games in the league um, and most of them are off the bench. In fact, I think looking at this, he's potentially started two league games in the Premiership this season. And obviously Dundee are doing well, um, and that's but that's the chance you take. But actually, if he had 
stayed at Thistle, he'd have played, you know, a dozen games in the league already this season. Um, so it's it's a trade-off. I'm sure he's getting more money and there's all this kind of stuff. You want to play at the highest level, but these are the things that these guys need to do. They need to consider. Um, and I think probably the only other thing to say on the, the contract side um, is I don't think there's any reason to get kind of antsy about this. Because again, if you put yourself in the player's shoes... Dylan Easton's contract extension offer from the Rovers isn't going anywhere. Yeah. Like he's got time to wait and see what happens. There's no yeah. point where Ian Murray's going to be like, "Well, actually, I'm fed up with this." Like <laughs> that offer's there. That offer's solid. He can take that to the bank. So he's got the time. It would be almost negligent of him not to to wait and see what happens uh, across the course of the season and make his decision slightly later on. <laughs> I think I, I would add as well that as fans, we literally have no clue what's going on behind closed doors. It might be the case that he's sat down with John Potter and Ian Murray already, and they're like, yeah, let's fucking go. We'll announce it later in the year. Like, we know that this is a formality. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. We'll wait until we get beat, and then we'll announce it to keep everybody happy. And like, aye, aye. Could really do with announcing this sometime soon. Christmas is coming up. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes, right. Let's uh, let's keep going in this game then. We've only got to, to just after half time and uh, everything happened after this point. So yeah, we were, what, 50 minutes into this game? Quite happy. Getting the feet up. This Rover side's quality. Don't need to worry. And then um, things took a turn to uh, to some degree. Um, <laughs> Scott, do you want to come in on, on kind of how this kind of started to unfold? In, in quite a quite a mundane fashion to to start with. I mean, it's a a bit of a scrappy free kick in the middle of the park. Uh, I mean, it was it was just such a a, a basic error. It seemed for Dan O'Reilly for the goal because, like, when the ball comes from the delivery, I mean, it's a a decent ball. It's like in a dangerous area, as they always say. Like your free kick taker hit an area and see what happens. But like, I don't. I'm still unsure if Dan O'Reilly either sees the ball very late, or if he just thinks I'm not under any pressure. I'm actually going. And then he thought, actually, maybe I'll just knee it out. But he's then just right in front of the goal, and it's gone in the bottom corner. But I find it very strange how I think a lot of things have flashed through his head at one time, and then he's just went, "Oh, I've got to do something," and then he's just need it, and it's went went to the back of net because you just. Big Kev even looks like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then obviously we'll go on to the third goal later on, but you can see straight after that goal, it's playing on his mind. He's like, right, I need to do something good to get off my mind. And he's trying almost too hard at that point. And when a defender's going through that sort of period, there's usually going to be another mistake in him before he gets it right again. So I... I felt a little bit sorry for him because he was superb again in the first half. But no, um, I do, I do feel that it just. And then once they got that goal, I, I did have a funny feeling they might actually get an equaliser here. Just we've not really often been two goals up. We talk about that we're only winning games by a goal, and it's usually because we've turned on in the eighty-fifth minute. Uh, but two goals up, it almost felt uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> So when we then when they get the penalty, I just thought, right, we really need to turn it back up again, go back to how we were playing first half. That's I think with that free kick, um, 
like Dan O'Reilly, it's one of these ones where he looks over one shoulder and he knows Harry before the ball comes in and he knows Harry Milne's there. And he looks over the other shoulder to watch the ball coming in. And what he doesn't see is that Harry Milne just stops running. Um, Milne essentially just makes a judgment call. He's like, right, I'm not getting to that. And pulls out of the run. And actually, if anything, Dan O'Reilly's basically marking Liam Dick at that point. Yeah. And then just, as you say, we'll come on to the, the, uh, the later one as well. But he really, he deals with them both in the opposite fashion. You know, there's one he should leave and one he should try and play. And he gets kind of back to front and the, the the second one is definitely informed by the first one like you can tell he's in his head about that and he thinks I should have left that one but with the the, the later one it's the, the guy doesn't pull out that run but um, yeah it's it's an interesting one just in terms of football in general the momentum and the way that that goes so that the they had been really not in that game had not had any sort of foothold at all you get a goal like that you know really out of nothing and see that's a you know a, a a soft-ish free kick 35 yards out and suddenly you're back in the game and then you've got your tails up and um, it did feel like there was going to be chances in that for them and then um, the two two kind of penalty shouts in in quick succession um, later on well, you watched the, the kind of the full match replay back this morning so you'll have had a chance to see them twice yeah. what did you think to those two penalties the one that wasn't given and the one that was so just very quickly before I get to them, just to pick up on Scott's point, again from watching the replay, there's one angle that comes from the main stand, like where John Potter and that sits, and you can see the flight of the ball and there's a bit of curve on it. And I think Murray goes up for the header and I think Dan O'Reilly can see the ball for you and Murray. Yeah. And it, as it comes over Murray, I actually don't think, and I could be wrong on this, but I don't think O'Reilly means to play it. I think it's his natural run. And the ball's just actually hit his thigh as his foot's hit the floor. So rather than his leg being in mid-air kind of thing and him being able to just kind of skiff off, his right foot hits the deck and it hits his knee and it's like a proper contact on it. Um, I don't think he actually sees it at all. Um, I, I genuinely didn't. But the penalty shouts, the first one, I actually at the time thought it was a penalty from the south stand because you could see the movement of the body. I was like, that looked awkward. But in the replay, the ball clearly kicks up off his thigh, um, off you and Murray. So as much as you can go, you know, the, the arm in an unnatural position and stuff, he's defended it with his leg. It's kicked up off his leg and hit his arm. You, you can't give that. Um, second one is a penalty body. You, you genuinely don't think you could you could argue with it. Um, again, an unnatural position for his arm to be in. Although I always think that's a really stupid thing. Like, where else is his arm going to be? Like... I mean, he's not going to dive into a tackle with his hands in his pockets. Um, like, he has to kind of have his arm somewhere. But he does block the ball with his arm, so it's a penalty. Yeah, that's, I, I thought exactly the same at the time. I thought the first one, just because you can see the arms up, you think, yeah. ah, it doesn't look great. But as you say, it comes off um, when he first up on, on his arm. Um, and the second one is, is he's he's making himself bigger with his arm, I think. So um always kind of likely to go. And um Brian Graham, uh, you know, yeah, one of the guys you would want taking a penalty at that, very kind of calmly um put away just to dispel the uh, conspiracy theories. And at that point it becomes a very different game. And I think the Rovers really at that stage, even at 2-1, I didn't think they, they were kind of handling it too badly. 
But at two each, there was definitely a spell where things started to unravel a little bit. Um, Robbie, do you want to come in on just kind of that that spell and how you felt at that point and what you thought might have happened next kind of once yeah, it went to two each? It, it was a really strange one because we just didn't seem to be able to get any foothold in the game at that point. Um, it was almost like Fissile had sort of overrun us to a degree. Um, and they just seem to be getting so much success. They've got naturally really good wide players in Fitzpatrick. Uh, is it Fitzpatrick, is it? Um, yeah. And uh, Lawless. Um, and yeah, just with, with Brian Graham always being sort of that threat, perennial threat up top that you know that you've got there, um, we just really didn't seem to be able to get a handle on it. I was really impressed by Kerr McEnroy. Again, I've sort of said before that I thought that he was a player that had been sort of really outstanding. Um, but for all that they'd lapsed in terms of their midfield hold before in the first half fissile, they just seemed to be able to sort of negate that by just pushing forward. Um, and yeah, for that third goal, um, Easton's out wide, can't stop the cross, unfortunately. Ross Milne gets beaten in the air and it's just the right place and the right time for Blair Alston to sort of slide in and, and prod it in. But yeah, I think it was coming. Um, just on the the game's flow at that point, but yeah, just um, I feel like I, you, we're obviously mentioned about O'Reilly there, and again, it's it's clear that it was like one of those ones where it, it's clear that there is faults in there, but you can't criticize the guy too much because of the start that he's had, and he's done so well since he's came in. Bearing in mind what this is his third game of football for the last six months, um, so happy to stick with a guy um, I don't think anyone by any means is writing him off and um, again just reset move on to the next game because that's all you can do don't get caught up in it don't worry about it don't dwell on it just move forward it's it's very easy to say um, but but if you if you put together or if you took the 90 minutes of that game and just cut out those two goals that he was at fault for he played really yeah. well which yeah, as I realise that's a, a kind of a glib thing um, to say, but I mean, it is also true. Like he didn't have. A, you, we've all seen defenders have bad games where any time the ball comes near them, they're shaky, all that kind of stuff. He didn't look like that at all. It was two, you know, individual errors. All players make mistakes all the time, um, and I think he's yeah, he's really unfortunate with them. And it's also these are the kind of goals that you lose when you're constantly, for whatever reason, chopping and changing a defense. You don't have that solidity of um, selection. You get different guys coming in. You get different, um, you know, communication issues and all that kind of stuff. It's always going to happen. Um, I thought the other thing with that, um, the third goal, is that it's what Thistle really didn't manage to do in the first half, which is that it's Harry Milne who wins the header. Yeah. So it's their left back is on the corner of our six-yard box, yeah. beating Ross Millen because he's got a run on him. To be fair. But that's what they, they just couldn't get going in the first half. And then in that spell in the second half in particular, as you say, Robbie, their midfield suddenly, with their tails up, started to really take the game to Rovers. And you start to uncharacteristically, there was like Sam Stanton gave the ball away once. And I was like, oh no, that doesn't <laughs> normally happen. Like, could this be it? Could this be the 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 time we're really going to be in trouble? But there they... was a spell of about three or four minutes on the commentary because it was Adam Masson was on the commentary with Davy in the second half where he just kept going, oof, oof. 
because <laughs> we just seemed to stand still for about five, six minutes where we just couldn't get the ball back off them. And we were just looking like, what the f- happened here? It just, and I, but it's that period from 45 to 75, something either switches on or switches off. And they, they get absolutely humped. Yeah, we, we, it was really uncharacteristic as well. We had Dylan Easton trying to play a crossfield pass and yeah. squirreling away. And um, there was a ball for at one point for Dan O'Reilly trying to play up to, to um, Hamilton. And I mean, it was as straight as an arrow on the pitch I mean so if he doesn't win the header it bounces straight through for a, a goal kick it was like it was really uncharacteristic of us you to could see um, Jack Hamilton was getting quite frustrated he cut a, a bit of a lone figure in that sort of that period up top where he was getting a bit frustrated and you could see it like it came across but again um, I think the next bit's really important um, to say that Ian Murray's changes just phenomenal phenomenal I would mm. never have thought that um, the foresight to, to be able to have them. And I'm sure that's what we'll move on to next. Certainly will, because I think that's really the, the I was going to say it's the turning point. There's about 17 turning points in this game. Um, but it was the 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 later uh, kind of turning point. So you've got the substitution. So the goal goes in on the, I think, the 69th minute. This will go 3-2 up. And... Um, at that point, Ian Murray already had um, Callum Smith and Aidan Connolly stripped. They were ready to go, but he, he was holding back um, when it was still two each. He'd had them ready and he was kind of waiting. I'm not quite sure what he was waiting for, but certainly as soon as the goal went in, you know, those changes were that made. Was just the, that was just a positional thing. You know, you know that thing of you never throw your never throw a substitute on when you're defending a free kick or defending a corner kind of thing. Because I thought the same as you. I wasn't sure what he was waiting on. Yeah, it looked to me like it went through like a couple of phases almost, like just a couple of minutes where he was kind of waiting for them. Um, and then, I mean, the next one I think technically was enforced in as much as you and Murray looked like he'd um, he'd taken another knock to his shoulder, but it's, it's only two minutes later that Scott Brown comes on. I think we would have seen Scott Brown anyway. Um, I suspect that was that was incoming. But that, personally, for me, I think is the single biggest impact is Scott Brown. Despite the fact that Callum Smith scored a goal, you know, Aidan Connolly was doing brilliant, brilliant work. Um, Jim Gillen is, but Scott Brown, I think, was the the game changer there. Um, anybody disagree with that? Or did anyone want to come in on, uh, on Scott Brown's impact? It was really clever for Murray. I mean, he made the change when he, when he did um, and put Brown in at centre half and we stuck with the, the kind of four at the back um, and I'm not this is a bit I watched it again like I say but I, I still can't quite figure out the moment when it changed um, but the commentator actually picks up on it he's like Brown Brown appears to be playing in the midfield but we did the same in the south stand I was like ah, why is, where's Brown going and then I was like wait now why is Millen dropped he's playing a back three and then it was that thing of if he's playing a back are we playing a three six one again like are we and it just, it, it was so fluid, but there didn't seem to be a moment where, you know, there wasn't like an injury and then the players all come round and he goes, right, so you're going here and you're going there and we're going to do this. They'd obviously talked about it and it was just, Partick didn't, Partick didn't even know what was happening. And Brown just seemed to kind of come out of the defence and all of a sudden he was in the midfield and they're going, well, crap, what do we do? Um, brilliant. It looked to me like um, 
I mean, this is a fairly niche reference, but it's like the old kind of championship managers where you can you can kind of you lay your team out in their formation, but then you can also sort of draw a line for right. an individual player. Right. And that was, yeah, like Scott Brown was positioned as a centre half and then just a right click line through the middle of the park. It's like, yeah, pick the ball up here and then just carry it 40 yards until you decide what you're going to do with it. Never and, go back. Um, exactly. But it, but it was so, so effective because it just, it, but first of all, he's so good at it. But it's obviously, it, it's really, really tricky to try and get to grips with that. And you can see that a couple of points. Actually, it's while, um, I think it's Alistair Lamont's the commentator and he's saying, is this a back three? And you can almost see the Thistle players, as Scott Brown's running, looking to each other to be like, who's picking him up? Um, that was actually the build-up to Smith's goal, I think. Because yeah, yeah. he kind of breaks through and then he plays that kind of lovely clipped pass to Liam Dick on the left, which kind of starts the move for the, for the goal. But yeah, just... It gets, so you know what gets even better? They're still doing the commentary for the fourth, and you'll know this player because we've both listened to this. And they're like, "It's not a conventional formation." <laughs> As well, like breaking up the pitch to score the fourth. But we'll come to that. It's uh, aye. it's like football transformers. It's obviously well rehearsed. They've obviously practiced it because like if you if you could watch it from above, it'd be like one of those Olympic opening ceremonies of people just moving into the right position because it's it's seamless. It's absolutely seamless. That's going to be the, the title one... for the podcast, Murray Ball Rollout. It's just <laughs> obviously the one thing tran- I Transformers sure. rovers in disguise. The one thing I wasn't sure is whether Murray instigated it, and this is maybe a bit bold, or whether Brown instigated it, because there was one point before that that Brown was going mental. He was like remonstrating with it with the, the kind of bench. And he's kind of he's doing all this. And we're in the south side going, What's he annoyed about? Like, who is he? Who's he demonstrating that? So I don't know whether he's saying to Murray, we need to change it. And he's calling it from on the pitch. Or whether Murray said to him, we're going to do this at some point. And he's now going, now. We're doing that again. But it, it just, it was glorious. It's, it, but it's, it's, it's exactly, as you say, it leads to the third goal. Because it's, um, it's actually the big penalty shot in the in the kind of build up to that as well. Sam Stanton gets kind of cleared out at the edge of the box. Um, I think it's James McFadden is the co-commentator. And he says uh, exactly what I was thinking at the time which is, I'm not sure whether that's inside the box or not, but it's definitely a foul. Yeah. Stanton takes it away from one defender, um, and it's a different defender who hoofs it clear. Stanton gets cleared out. But um, I will not worry about it too much, because as you say, the ball then kind of comes back round. Scott Brown, yeah, drives through and I think really shifts Thistle. Their whole defence kind of shifts because Scott Brown's coming forward. Yeah, and it's almost a... It's almost like a rugby pass. He kind of clips it just slightly backwards for Liam Dick. Because in that corner, I think Callum Smith is a lovely little kind of half turn as he receives that pass just to get himself enough space. Shifts it and then, um, like Dylan Easton's, just gets the power and it keeps it low. And it's uh, the keepers get hardly... You know, the keeper would have to do incredibly well just to, to get down to that. And he's a little bit unsighted as well. But at that point, and we touched about this on, on Thursday night as well, if you're on either side, the Rovers get that I know late-ish equaliser. There's only one thing on the mind of everybody in that ground. So here we go again. And I mean, you could feel it in the stand, certainly. Um, Carol, I think you'd, I think you'd, uh, you'd predicted a slightly different scoreline, but you had yeah. predicted a, a comeback win. Yeah. Um, 
presumably no no shadow of a doubt in your mind once the third went in that there was a fourth coming? No, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The, the, between minute 45 and 75, I thought, oh, this could be embarrassing. This could be embarrassing. We could be getting our arses scalped. But then, yeah, when you get to minute 75 and you're just watching the Transformer formation go in and Brown just go full on Leroy Jenkins, I am going in for this. You're like, yeah. And it's like anybody who hasn't watched Rovers this season, if you think we're not getting one in the last 85 to 95 minutes, then you've been sleeping. And there's only opposition. Everyone should be doing their homework. No, forget about it. Don't do your homework. Forget it. Forget the last 85 to 95. Yeah, you're 100% getting enough goals in that pit spell at the start of the second half where you're dominating that you are the team that is going to just stop us. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's not even that. It's the same thing. And Michael Stewart said, they kind of keep doing that all season. Watch us. Why no? Why not? Give us a good reason well, why we it. can't. 100%. There's no reason why we can't. The game's 90 minutes long. It's not like scoring in the last 10 minutes is cheating. No. It's, yeah. it's literally, it's yeah. no different to scoring in the first 10 uh, uh, Yeah, a goal scored in the 30th minute is no different to a 90th minute goal, other than emotionally. Like, yeah. yeah. And again, it's it's very much a, like it's a deliberate action. You know, you can see the strength coming off the bench. The, the, like, we're not yeah. scoring goals by accident in the last minute. You know, if, if you win four games in a row with own goals in the last minute, you could maybe go, well, your luck's going to run out at some point. But the again, it's, it's just the number of games we've looked at, and you look at the subs that we've been able to bring on versus the subs the opposition have been able to bring on, and that's a difference maker. And um, our again, bench I think feels, it's exactly that. I was going to say our bench feels like a, like a tiger cage at the zoo, and it's like he's rattled them all up. And he's been like, you're not getting to play the day. You're not getting to play the day. And they're like, I'm going to, see when I come on, I'm going to show you. I am going to, so Callum's coming on. Callum Smith's coming on. And he's like, right, give me the ball because I'm going to score this one. And then I'm going to set up another one in a minute. And Aidan Connolly's going, well, you're not getting away with that on your own. So I'm getting wired in. It's like, we've got this. There was actually the point where we were laughing in the stand. Murray shouted to the four subs that were warming up. And all of them. Yeah, but it was Gullen. So I'm going to get this wrong. Gullen Smith. Um, who else was there? Uh, Connolly. Connolly. And it might have been, I can't mind who the other one was. I got Miguel. Might, uh, yeah, I think it was. And he, he shouts, and Murray's doing the come here, come here, come here. And all four of them went, Which one of us? <laughs> Which one? Is it, is, is it him? Is it me? And I was saying, See, last season, if the manager did that, you knew who it was. You yeah. instantly knew which one it was. And he's going, come here, come here, come here. And the four of them are going, yes, boss. Like, how's <laughs> my dance? I was thinking that as well, because you're thinking, like, when the boys come down to warm up, and, yeah, what, 12 months ago, that was uh, Kyle Connell, uh, Connor McBride, and yep. uh, John, John Fredrickson, I think, by this point. Yeah. Deary me. Embarrassment. Changed days. Like, it really is. Um, so let's uh, let's get to the really fun bit then. Uh, so the fourth goal, um, remarkably early, to be honest, by the Rovers' standards, deciding to get their business done um, and, and give us a bit of extra time to enjoy it this week. All the substitutes combining, um, really, I think at that point. So you've got um, just the the quick free kick, the quick kind of thinking from from Scott Brown. One of these where I think if you wanted to be really, really critical, <laughs> the defender's got to do so much better because he, yeah. he's there, he's on the scene, 
to block the quick free kick, but he's got no awareness of who the options are. So he's just kind of standing there because he thinks he should be. Um, whereas he really should, even if he needs to take a booking, he should be stopping that. Um, but as as soon as it goes out to Aidan Connolly on that side, I was like, this is, this is the goal. This is it. I genuinely think I just went, yes! As it, as Aidan Connolly picked up the ball out on the touchline. Just like, there's only one way this is ending up. And um, it's really, and, and um, I'll let somebody else talk in a minute, but the the finish as well, I think at the time, almost, almost I, I really didn't credit Sam Stanton enough for the technique on that finish, because he's having to take it, he's actually sort of in midair almost to try and get his foot kind of onto that. It's really, really good. Um, Scott, tell us, uh, tell us how you saw that one. I had I, uh, put into the group chat as soon as the goal had went in because I was also the same. I was like, oh, that's brilliant. He's taking that so quickly because I, I was like, well, there's a big chance coming here because Connolly's got free reign at just running down that line. And then uh, and then uh, it's Smith then that runs past uh, Milne to then cut it back. That goal actually reminded me of um, the cup game that we pumped the pars at home, 3-0. Uh, what was the Aussie boy's name again that scored? Duggan. Duggan. Uh, that goal reminded me of that, how it's just been quickly worked down that side and then just fired into the box. Although his was a diving header, like it was a similar work goal. But um, I actually thought as soon as we went 3 3, before obviously we go on to get that goal, I think Partick, whether Brian Graham missed last week, I think, due to injury or suspension, illness or whatever. After bamming up the <laughs> I knew for the minute they brought on that cart horse Adeloy that we were winning that game there was no way he's going to have an impact he's hopeless how he got 11 goals at Air United I'll never know because any time he played us he was rotten but when they brought him on I thought well they've taken off the best striker to bring on an absolute huddy so how are we going to how are you not going to win this and then Fireman Sam to the rescue puts it the fire and then just scores again I mean that I don't know. I think this might be it was like to Vaughan and Regan Henry, but I think Sam Stanton surpassed my favourite Rovers player in my lifetime. He's honestly just ridiculous how good he is. And just, he's so calm about it. I don't know how he's no going absolutely ballistic. Like, obviously he's over the moon that he's scoring goals and involved and playing every week, but, like, he's just so good. <laughs> it really is. It's just, and he's getting, he's getting his his fair share and more of like the like the Roy of the Rovers moments, like all the important goals, all the big games. Always Sam Stanton who's there. See, the thing is, before he was good, but he's added goals to his game in this side, like substantially. Like he just seems to be constantly scoring. the The main thing I put in my notes next to this goal was just one word, which was streetwise. It was by far and away the most streetwise goal that you will see from a club at this level. Because just to have Brown's sort of, just the wherewithal to just think, right, get this out wide. And then it's like straight away the defender's out of position and then they're back, they're remaining back three effectively are like, oh, we know that this is coming. We know what's coming next. Connolly right down the wing. Smith does so well to bomb after it and get in there. And then as soon as that ball goes in, you know that it's just absolute carnage in there and that Stanton's powering in um, to to get it. And I just, 
the scenes after that goal was just like everyone's like, I can't believe it's happened again. It's happened again. I don't think I even processed the fact that we picked up three points from that match until I was down where the four ways used to be on my way to Morrison's for a lift home from my mate because it was just like so ridiculous. It was just so ridiculous. But another fun, fun game, probably the most insane game I can really remember being at, at Starks Park, to be honest, just uh, certainly in a decade or so. Just Tremendous. Like we say that every week, though. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? They're going to have to bring out a DVD or something. I'm going to forget half of these because uh, then they start the neighbours like along the... the road. will be greeting that this is like the biggest <laughs> season for us ever. But uh, well, no, uh, it's start a camera to bring the heart rates down. They're going to have to have like a camera music that they have available on their Instagram account after the kickoff just to bring your heart down. Because yesterday, my Garmin watch would just kept flashing. You seem stressful. Stop. <laughs> I said the the cardiologist at the Vic must be absolutely <laughs> terrified. I think Scott's point as well. I was just having a wee look there while he was saying that, but Sam Stanton. So and you go back through the goals that he scored. So obviously last night scores a winner and a four three. Dunfermline he scores the opening goal and a three 0 win. Hamilton scores the opening goal and a four one win. Dunfermline scores the only goal and a one 0 win. Dunfermline only goal and a one 0 win. Every goal he scores. And you're absolutely right. It's this. I mean, you don't get this out of it. This Royal Rovers thing. It's like he doesn't score meaningless goals. He scores important goals. Aye, these are these are goals that like you would pick to score for yourself if you had the chance. Yeah. Um, I actually think the very opposite is that Tommy Adoy. I think he's the kind of guy who scores the fourth goal in a four 0 win. Um, like he came on for Thistle against their United there on the season. He scored with his first touch, but it's like I kind of needs the game to be done. I, I certainly what I've seen from him he's no he's not kind of in it for the fight um, so I think just to, on a side to, note just to, to go and just say to go from the uh, see when we were 3-2 down as well I've got to say that what's really interesting is before if you go to Starks Park and we get into that position that crowd turns toxic that did not happen last night. And that is something that I just want to say very, very specifically, that the atmosphere around the place has changed so much because of these games. And the players deserve the uh, that credit in the bank, that that atmosphere doesn't become a people yelling, oh, you're stupid, you're daft, you're doing this, you're doing that, what are you doing that for? Things didn't go to plan during the start of that second half but everyone had complete faith that it was going to turn around. And what a difference that is, because that must mean, I don't know what it's like for the players, but see, even just being a, another fan in the stand and like being in that environment, it's just brilliant. It's just great. Like It's just, I was, aye. I was going to kind of raise a, a similar point, but actually I, I felt a wee bit different. I felt like that's maybe a time thing because it did start to feel a wee bit antsy. I mean, I said a wee bit further. Well, it felt antsy, no doubt, yeah. But no, there was a couple of shouts I'd heard. Not like a huge amount. There's always an idiot. Like, they're always um, But there was a few, like, kind of grumbles and, and getting upset and stuff. And I, I, I kind of said, like, it's that thing of if you can't support them when it's tough, you didn't deserve them when it's good. And that's my only worry at the moment is, I'm not worried because that sounds stupid, but it's so good at the moment. And it is. It's, yeah. been, it's been great all season. And people are getting right behind it. But it's it's likely to turn at some point. We might go up to our road oh, and and we might you know it might collapse. They're human beings. They're not going to be imperious every ninety minutes. And it's really important the influence that the crowd can have on a, on that team. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's you're right. It didn't turn yesterday, but it'd have been interesting to see if it had, if we'd done the usual and gone to the ninety ninetieth minute before we got the equaliser, and then later whether that would have been quite the same. Um, I'd like to think it would be. I think I think uh, you're right, Robbie. Over the piece, it's certainly it's a it's a much more enjoyable place to be, and obviously the 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 fact that we're winning games and stuff is is the, the by far and away the biggest contributing factor to that. But I do think that. And the team earns this, but I do think they have got more fans on side more often, and there's just that kind of belief that kind of permeates across um, across everything. And um, I am I'm going to do a wee bit of free advertising for the club here. Not that they need it, or that particularly the people who listen to the Wraith Rovers podcast aren't already invested in this. But there's half season tickets on sale at the moment, right now. If you don't have one already, I I cannot think even close that there is another season ticket in the country this season that's been anywhere near the value that we've had out of ours. Yeah. Um, now, not. obviously, there's no guarantee that that will continue. We could have a terrible second half of the season, but it doesn't look likely. I mean, that's... What, what's been our most... Other than the Airdrie game a few weeks back, our most dull game at home has been, what, a 3-2 win against Morton, where we still got to bam up Robbie Muirhead, something fierce at the end. And, aye, it's ridiculous oh, when you look. It. Aye, aye, that as well, aye. And let's be perfectly honest about this. If you want to get tickets when we get to the Scottish Cup final, <laughs> and if you want to get tickets when, you know, we've got something else going on... If guys, you want to get to Les Palmas, you need to get your season ticket. It's season ticket holders first, guys. So you know, come and join the queue. Like I was, I was, I was thinking about it the other day, and I reckon, given like the time that I've been watching the Rovers, number of games that I get to, I, I think I must be knocking on the door of about a thousand games that I've seen the Rovers play. If you include friendlies and stuff like that, and the top ten, honestly, there could be four or five or six of them from this season. Yeah, absolutely. Which is unbelievable. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, I said that. Sorry, carry on. I was. I, I got home from uh, Hamden, and I was. I was saying. I was like that. Honestly, one of the best games of football I've ever ever seen. And then we went to East End Park and beat them three nothing. And I was <laughs> like, knocked into number two already. Um, and it just. I. I was thinking as well. There was. There was a couple of seasons back where they really. A really kind of mundane season. I can't honestly even remember what it was. It was one of McGlynn's seasons. But even at the fact it was quite middle of the road, all the goals we scored at home were at the other end. Right. So we scored something like three goals in front of the South Stand all season. Again, like a season ticket that year. Yeah, there's not very much, no great amount of value in that. Compare that to this year. And it's absolutely um, just unbelievable entertainment. It won't last forever. It certainly won't. But um, being on for the ride just now has been an incredible amount of fun. And uh, long may it continue. Yeah, we were talking about this last night. I've, I mean, I've been following the Rovers since I was nine years old. So you're talking well, 30 years, actually. That's depressing. Um, but it's, it's, I don't ever remember it being this good. The team in the 90s was good. And it, it was good. And they were successful and all the rest of it. I was young. So um, I don't have the same kind of you know, same memories of it, I suppose it's it's fair to say, but um I never remember us being this good 
And that was the word we used last night was good. Like we've won games and we've, we've won important games and we've been lucky at times. And, you know, the, the I think back to the season that we run the powers close at the top of the first division, which is probably the last time we got, I, I suppose, the under McGlynn, we got close in the COVID season as well. But um, the last time we properly ran close at the top end of this league and we won games because we were the hardest working team in the league. We weren't good. Like we yeah. weren't, we, we scored good goals and we won good games, but you wouldn't go go watch the Rovers. By the way, they're a really good side. But like right now, if you're if you know the Rovers are on the telly on a Friday night and you're a neutral, there's got to be a little bit of you thinking it's probably going to be a decent watch. That's if not, you're going to get a ninety fifth minute winner. So and as well, um, just before Duncan, you come on, I want to caveat as well. I feel like this is only the beginning in the sense of that, like, not necessarily that this season, and again, we'll come back to this in a little bit, not necessarily that this season we're going to be like, I'm, I'm predicting that we're we're going to romp the league and that United will fall off and that everything's going to be absolutely fantastic. Not for a second. What I'm going to say is next season, even if we're in this league, do I think that we're taking a step back? Absolutely not. This is a club to get invested in for the people in the town Um and a hundred percent that like again I said that I put that on the, the socials um last night uh, after the game. You'll go to places and before historically been so bad for this and I've always had to kind of have a bit of a bite my tongue. People obviously know what I'm like through this podcast that I tend to speak my mind. Um you get people that go, Who do you support? Oh, Rafe Rovers. Oh, why do you support them? Why not? Uh, oh well I guess someone's got to. Nah. Change that attitude, completely flip that. Why wouldn't you support your local team, especially when it's like this and you've got lads like Dylan Easton, Lewis Vaughan, um, across the board, Sam Stanton, and you can come on and you can have that bond in terms of you don't even need to speak to the players. You can have that bond where you can go into your club and you can meet people, whether it's John Greer, the people in the office, you meet the people on the podcast, you go across. Absolutely superb. Would not trade this for the world. It's just the best feeling. And at the moment, it's at the highest of highs that we could probably have it. And it can probably keep going. But yeah, just um, would not have it any other way. I was going to say, just really quickly before we move on, because just to wrap up on the point that Robbie's making there, I turned into a wee boy last night. I had the best night ever. So in the club before the game, Jimmy Nickel is in the club. So I walk over and I, I walk, and I honestly, and I'm, I'm, I'm on this podcast, I like to talk. I couldn't say anything. I shook his hand and he looked at me and he went, you all right? I was like, great to meet you, Jimmy. And walked away like I didn't, I just didn't know what to say. Like I turned into a wee boy. And then after the game, Callum Smith and, uh, and Dylan Easton came into the club after the game. And uh, Callum was kind of the first up the, the line. The club I'm in, the Welling Club's kind of long and narrow. So Callum comes up the middle um, and he's shaking hands and stuff. And I don't usually, I must admit, I don't usually get up and go and speak to the players because there's kids and stuff that, that go and speak to them and that. And some guys do, which is absolutely fine. I don't usually. But Callum Smith, I was like, mate, change the game tonight. You were absolutely superb. You know, the goal, the assist, like you're, how does he know start you next week? That that kind of conversation. He's like, cheers. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Dylan Easton comes up and he turns to me and he goes, Blair! And he hugs me. And he goes, love the podcast. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Did somebody see that? Like, this club just keeps giving. And it's, it's yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to be a part of this season. It really is. It's a different level of professionalism this season. I don't know what it is. There's something about it that just, it's a different level. It's still, 
that core, that community, there is not that distance between fan and club, but there's a diff something different. There's a different level. You don't yeah, have to go to back me. far. Mm -hmm. It feels to me like it's all very deliberate this season. There, there's there's method behind everything that's being done, both on the pitch and off the pitch. Because sometimes you get that where you kind of stumble upon a player or a youth player or you get a loan player and that makes your season. Yeah. Like, um, it'll be a really good example. Kevin Nisbet. Yeah. We stumbled on Kevin Nisbet. Not a chance cool. when anybody signed him was anyone like, oh, I'm he's going to go when and... we signed him. I exactly. was human. It's like, who's this jobber? He's going to be in the US at all. But then... It, you can build a brilliant season on the back of a player like that. But that really is not the feeling with this. It's, as you said, Robbie, it doesn't feel like it's going to go away because yeah. it feels like you could take parts out of it. Like the obvious one, um, that you kind of keep going like this without your manager attracting attention. Sooner or later, somebody's going to go, he's doing a great job. But it feels like, again, the structure is there now that you could take out parts. You could take out a key player that you lose in January or you could potentially take the manager away. But the rest of the organisation is mature and, and professional enough that you can then account for those. And it might not be as good. I'm not saying that, again, like everything's going to be brilliant forever, but it just does feel much more sustainable and much more deliberate than, than it has done. See, see, to say about doing things deliberately, I can't say the word. I'm just going to skip by it. Um, <laughs> on but, purpose. Yes, on purpose. Right. It's easy to sort of say, oh, you're doing it that way. But it's actually very hard to get right. Perfect example for me is Dunfermline, right? Along the road, they have their friendship, whatever it is, with the German club, St. Pauli oh, we've got a pre-season. I wonder why that is. Our ex-director used to play for them, right? And they're, you can see that they are pushing that. They are actively pushing that. They've got a wee, like, social club thing that they're like, oh, it's Dunfermline and St. Pauli. Do you think people in St. Pauli care about Dunfermline? Absolutely not. They're just another club that's trying to jump onto the thing. See us in Las Palmas. We have people from the Canary Islands tweeting in Spanish below our tweets saying, oh, it's another amazing comeback for the Rovers. You don't get that organically. It's just ridiculous. We are building something that's just completely different here. And the feeling behind it is just incredible. It's just, I. I'm glad that we've got these podcasts for posterity if it like all goes belly up in 18 months because just how it is right now, it's just ridiculous. I've never felt this way in terms of how things are going and just how universal it seems to be about the club. I, uh, I'm going to move us on a little bit just because I feel like we could talk about this all day, but there's, there's very few people who have two and a half hour long commutes uh, <laughs> to listen to the podcast. So we've done an hour already. So let's quickly, um, we'll maybe cut this down a little bit. The uh, Wednesday night, we're up the road to our broth. I'm sure there'll be a a really um a really decent sized travel and support little go. This is going to be a very interesting game. Um, I think on paper, you'd be looking at this as actually one of the the sort of quote unquote easier league games that we've had recently. Um, but our broth under Jim McIntyre, you know, in one way or another, are going to be um going to be a bit of a different beast from uh, from Dick Campbell's particularly kind of idiosyncratic approach to football. Um, I think we'll get a feel today um, from our broth game about kind of how much of a big change Jim McIntyre has managed to make immediately. But um, 
Uh, Scott, start with you. How do you feel kind of going into this one? And um, do you think anyone from the bench has uh, has earned a, a jersey for this one? Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, as you say, because obviously it's this whole uh, weekend, midweek weekend again. So I do actually think it might change, not too much, maybe two or three, just to kind of freshen up a wee bit. And obviously you've still got to think about the huge game we've got next weekend up at Tanadice of you want to try and keep your players as fresh as possible. And I would actually prefer the games on Tuesday instead of Wednesday just for that extra game. But obviously, for whatever reason, they decided Wednesday was the time to do it. But um, no, I think we're probably... Today might be a little bit, actually, a good watch in terms of see how they get on against Morton, our growth. Uh, as we were recording on Saturday but uh, I think I don't know I've just got this feeling it's going to come down to the terms that they've got very little confidence right now whereas we've got every bit of confidence going for us and every bit of good luck's going our way just now I just think I would be very very surprised if we were to not drop points anyway like if we were I'd, I just I cannot, our growth are struggling to score goals just now as well. And I think, if anything, we're outscoring everybody. That That's in games that are just ding dong battles, like last night, we're just outscoring teams. So I just can't see our growth outscoring us. So I, I just, I, I can only see three points. Maybe that's just a bit crazy to think because our growth away has always been a tough place to go. But I just think this season, it's two teams completely different. Uh, confidence side of things. So I just I, I just can only see a Rovers win. Um Blair, before before yesterday's game you said that you were worryingly buoyant, which I feel like could have been an, an alternative title for this whole podcast actually. Are you still still worryingly buoyant? Are you more yeah. buoyant than you were worried? Yeah, I'm getting more buoyant than worried. Um I just feel like we're 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 really we're good. I said already we're good. Like we, we shouldn't be going up there and worrying about them. It's not an easy place to go, but by the same token, this is obviously the rearranged game for the one that we did the podcast for when it was it was often. It was the middle of Hurricane Bobag or whatever it was at the time. And it was, you know, 60 mile an hour winds and, and driving rain and all the rest of it off the, the North Sea. But now you look at it, I was just having a wee look at the weather forecast. Light winds, um, no rain, so it's going to be cold, but perfect conditions for us to play football. And actually, it's the one week where I would be like, you know, I would say every week, how do you pick the team? Oh my God, how do you pick the team? Actually, you are going to make changes because our growth are a, a different beast. Like they're they're going to be quite physical. They're going to be quite direct, I would think. Um, so likes of Callum Smith coming in, maybe resting Lewis Vaughan for the, the weekend. These kind of things make sense. Big game on Saturday, as Scott says. Um, yeah, I'm I'm buzzing. I'm I've, I'm going up on the bus. I can't wait. Like honestly, this is where I'm at just now. It's like right. I'm so happy with that midweek game, so I don't have to wait a week. Like brilliant. Um, I think uh, the other one I think I would guess is kind of top of the list to come out is possibly Josh Mullen. Just he's played a lot of football in a lot of different positions, yeah. and um, you know, for for obvious reasons, I think. He is one of the ones that Ian Murray really trusts for the big games. So I would expect Josh Mullen to start at Tanadice. 
So I think, yeah, I would expect to see um, presumably Aidan Connolly um, coming in there. Um, Carol, how are you feeling about um, Arbroath? Do you share the, the confidence for the boys? Yeah, just looking back at some statistics on Arbroath, I don't think they've, they've scored four goals since the end of September, so they're not exactly top scoring. And a player that we've not mentioned at all, Ross Matthews. Do you think he'll get uh, some game time Wednesday? That would be nice so. to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um... It was good to see him on the bench last night, the name there, but it'd be nice to get him some game time on Wednesday and Arbroath would maybe be a good I think a, start I, for so, him. Sorry, I think an ideal position for us would be to be a couple of goals up with 20 to go and then say yeah. to Matthews, right, let's give Stanton a rest Aye. and put Matthews on because I also worry that we play Burn, Stanton and Brown 90 minutes Wednesday and then they're going to be knackered maybe come... The yeah. 75th minute on Saturday the next the following weekend against Dundee United. So does Stanton get tired? Get into, hmm? so does Stanton get tired? I've not seen any evidence I've of it. I've seen yet. once or twice this season when we've had this sort of midweek weekend sort of thing where he's not he's just looked like he's not running about as much as what he has done. So <laughs> I just take that as he might want a wee rest. <laughs> and he has done it this season, Murray, where we've played these challenge cup games and he's actually not even had Stanton in the squad. So Atsis went, right, I'm not even wanting you to play today, just rest you. So um, I do think Santon will start. I just think it would be good if we got a couple of goals up and were able to say to Matthews, right, go and finish the job and give Stanton just 20 minutes less game time. Yeah, I think um, I think Ross Matthews is, is probably closest to kind of Sam Stanton in terms of their, their style of play. And, and, and absolutely, it was, he's going to be an excellent option to have for the second half of the season. Um and uh, Robbie rounded us off on on our broth. Um, I mean, it looks from everything we've seen from kind of Jim McIntyre in the past. I, I expect they'll go to just like a four four two, like base do the basics right, hammer it long. Confidence that Overside can can kind of pick that apart. Hundred percent, without a doubt. Um, there's absolutely no reason to be going up there and being fearful without dismissing them and without sort of saying. Yeah, it's going to be an easy game or anything like that. Um, I've just got complete confidence that this side and the depth that we've got are going to find a way to do it. Um, and hopefully we can we can get ourselves into a position where we have a, a win which is actually comfortable for once rather than the, the thousand and one stories that we come out with about last-minute winners or comebacks or all this. Um, if we win, we're up to 36 points. And we're going to Tanadice full of confidence. And that's all we can do. Um, again, just focus on each game as it comes to going to the cliche manager book that we were speaking about um, in our WhatsApp chat. Just one game at a time is all you can do. And the focus has just got to be on our broth. Just forget about Saturday. That's all we can do. Um, and as it stands, we're currently 15 points. I know that they'll play today and they've got a sort of game in hand over us. 15 points ahead of Dunfermline in fourth place. Um, 16 over Airdrie in fifth place um, for the playoffs. Um, and again, if we get up to sort of the 36 points, we're getting at the Dick Campbell's mythical, are we in a title race? But we're no, we're just focusing on staying safe from relegation here. Um, and we will be almost at that mythical 40-point marker uh, before... Christmas, which is pretty astounding to be honest. Um just a ridiculously good start to the season. So that's that's exactly it. And that leads me very nicely into our uh, in our big question, because it is exactly it's it's Dick Campbell inspired. Um 
because as Robbie says, they that season they ran Kilmarnock close. And every week he was like, oh, I just want to get to 40 points. Like, <laughs> shut up, man. You're second in the table, running Kilmarnock down to the wire. And, uh, and he keeps banging on about just trying to avoid relegation. So I suspect we're not going to do that. Uh, Ian Murray might, to be fair. He might want to play things down. But um, we have been emboldened on this podcast and uh, looking at things as they stand, right? So we're now eight points ahead of Thistle uh, and got a game in hand. And uh, Dundee United are six points clear of Thistle with two games in hand. So my, my question for each of you then is, do we have to declare this a title race? And is it a two-horse race at this point? And uh, Carol, start with you, please. Oh, I mean, there's part of me is going, do I want to tell younger supporters, don't don't get used to this. This is not how it works. But the other part of me, the 15-year-old in me is going, enjoy it, enjoy it. And we're going to go right to the end. And I am going to come home for a couple more games this season. And I will be on the pitch at the end of the season, celebrating a championship win, enjoying it. There, I am fully behind this. And I don't care if someone cuts this and throws it back in my face at the end of the season. I think we can do it. I really think we can do it. I think Dundee United are going to slip up, are not going to... They're good, but there's our other half of the season to go and we just... We're good. We're good at the moment. Not just good, we're good at the moment. Talking about that walking down Pratt Street after the game, talking to my dad about, like, if you're Dundee United, this must be so incredibly frustrating to watch. Yeah. Because you just... You'd have that mindset of premiership budget... Championship division, you know, and you're actually putting the points on the board as well to give Dundee United their credit. You know, they're they're putting up enough points to be worthy of walking away with the division, and the Rovers will just will not let go. And the manner that they're doing it, that has got to play on your mind every week. It's, it's laughable. It really is laughable. It's like I, I shared in our WhatsApp, like um, after the Cali game, I think it was. We are literally the meme of Mo from The Simpsons chucking Barney out of Mo's tavern and then he just appears over the shoulder again. They must think every week, they must be like, ah, they're dead and buried this time, their luck's run out. And then next thing you know, we're just back behind you again. Sorry, guys. Um, I know you've got that nice 27 plus goal difference and we're miles off that, but we still just keep winning games. So we're here for now. So I don't understand the whole, like, fa- fans must know this by now. We're into December. How many times we've won a game late on? And you can see part of Thistle fans last night as it went 3-2. Oh, yeah, that's us ruined their streak. That's it. Going to, and I'm like, boys, come on. <laughs> it's 20 minutes to go. 12 minutes later, they're not even winning. You're just going, we t- we, how many times do we need to tell and show you, well, how good we are, but also like how this team just doesn't know when to stop. And it just keeps going and keeps going. And... You, there will be a game at some point that we're going to drop points and we're not going to get that late goal, but whilst it's, it keeps happening, people just need to stop thinking it's going to happen because it's just, for some reason, we just think, nah, we've got it. And so, Scott, are you prepared to, prepared to call this a title race? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, I think, Excellent. what's the point in shying away for now? We're now eight points clear of Partick with a game in hand. So it potentially could be nine or eleven, or it could be eight. But like our game in hand is Wednesday night, so like it, it would have been different if our game in hand was away to Tanadice. 
So I I just don't see how people keep shying away from it and just go like we we are not our growth a couple of seasons. We're not on a part time team. We're not like we are. A, we've shown in the summer with a what we spent money wise in terms of contracts this season. We're prepared to go toe to toe with anybody in the division. I actually feel hard done by that Dundee United are in the league because think how almost easy it would have been if they weren't in the league and it was Dundee for last season. We'd have been sweeping Dundee for last season aside because they only kind of woke up really the last month of the season to make sure that they won that league. But no, I, I think we we just need to keep going, as they say, game by game. But I just think we absolutely are in a title race and it's just... I, like obviously, I, I'm coming back home next. Week. I cannot wait to be at Tannadice next week. Like I've, I've been waiting for this for weeks, and just every week is just you guys go mental in the group chat. I'm just like, like my neighbours will be glad that I'm away home for a month because <laughs> it's just it's just me. Or I've had a couple of mates around a few times, but like it's just been great to watch. But I just wish I was there. That's we'll um we'll get him back to tell the story himself at some point. But uh, Ian Lattle was apparently in a very nice, very calm uh, Utrecht restaurant that he'd convinced to put the game on last night. And uh, I mean, I'm I'm not convinced that I'll have long term implications from him, but I think he might now be barred from that restaurant. The uh, extent of the celebrations. Um, I, I suspect I know the answers by now. But um, Robbie, title race, hundred percent. Absolutely here for it. See, right, this is what I'm gonna say is see if you're a football fan of any club, if you can't enjoy this moment, what's the point in doing it? Right. Um, so just get that out there. It's not arrogance, it's not getting ahead of ourselves, it's just the fact that we're in this position now, we just keep coming back where we've done so well to get where we're at. Again, nobody's sort of proclaiming boldly that oh United are gonna completely lose it and we're guaranteed for it but no means is anyone getting ahead of themselves on that front with the squad that we've got uh, with how things are going how well we've done uh, we are 100% at this moment in a title race it could be done by January it could all go horribly wrong but again let's just enjoy the moment and let's just the human aspect of football that is the, the optimism um, and where we're at and again as I said before even if it does we're in a long term project at the start of the season if you told us that we were going to be what is it eight points ahead of Thistle that we are something yep. stupid like that who are in third place and that we're top of the league you would have killed for that you would have absolutely killed for that given how strongly Thistle ended last season up to the last like what 45 minutes of their game up in Dingwall like yeah, we're in a ridiculously good position at the moment. Um, and this is just the start of a very positive era, you feel, for the club. So long may it continue. That's it. it doesn't feel flash in the pan. It feels like, as you say, the start of something rather than uh, the, the kind of pinnacle of it. And uh, Blair, I'll give you the, the final word on this. Happy to happy to call us title contenders? I thought about doing the no and then laughing, but without a doubt, <laughs> like... Unbelievably, I was actually just looking at the table. You know, if we were where Dunfermline are if at the beginning of the season, you'd said that by December, by this time, you would be where Dunfermline are, sitting fourth by a point with a game in hand. You'd probably go, Yeah, take that, that'd be all right. We're currently sitting top of the league. Yeah, granted, Dundee United have got a game in hand, but I mean, I was singing top of the league in your no last night, and um, one of my mates was going, Oh, easy. I was like, ah, No, if we're only top of the league for 10 minutes. 
I am singing that we're top of the league. I lived through the banter years. We've done Gary Locke and all that. I've earned this. Like, I have actually earned this. So, no, I am 100%. And it's it's it feels like the club know we're in a title race as well, which I really like. They won't say it, and they shouldn't, um, absolutely. But a, a big mention about the, the buses for next week, the, the board, you know, the, the, the vision to just say to the fans, and it's such, we've talked about simple wins, but to even... I mean, let's not be daft, right? Why are the club putting buses on? Because they want a big crowd to try and get behind the team to try and win that game, right? Which they could have easily said. But instead, the club say, it's nearly Christmas. It's the most expensive away day of the season. We want to give something back to our fans. Easy win. Do you know what I mean? An absolute easy win. And not just are they putting the bosses on themselves. So um, I'm going to just give a wee shout out to one of my mates who I know will be listening to this. So Stevie Gray runs our um, supporters bus. Oh, yeah. um, I know um, Kev's been on and, and Robbie, you've been on as well this season. And he, he did it off his own back at the beginning of the year. He's like, I'm just going to start organising the bus. And he's like, I need to run it at a wee bit of a profit at the beginning of the year just because there's going to be games where we might not have enough bodies. And, and actually what he did was he subsidised the Inverness game so that we basically paid the same to get to Dunfermline as what we paid to get to Inverness. He also subsidised, because he, he filled the bus, he subsidised, a, a group of young boys were getting a bus organised, so we subsidised their bus. He's now gone and spent like 200 quid on toys for the cottage toys appeal on behalf of the, the bus. He's donated money on behalf of the bus. And then the club phoned them through the week and said, um, we're putting free buses on, but we're going to pay for your bus as well. Like, I don't want you thinking that this... You know, it's not just we're putting other buses on. They've basically paid for our bus as well. Um, it's such a great feeling about the place. There's a, a real togetherness on the go at the moment. Um, and it's just about getting as many bodies as we can up to Tanadice next Saturday. Because we should be going up there fancying it. Murray is a better manager than Jim Goodwin. And I'm going to say that now. He 100% is. And we're not just in a title race. We're in the title race, like you know, we're not hanging on, we're not just there to make up the numbers kind of thing. Um, I genuinely think Dundee United should be worried about us. So um, and I know that'll get clipped and probably thrown back at me at some point. But you know what? I've earned it and I don't care. Like yeah. and a hundred percent though, but the thing is, if you're in their position, they've done everything perfectly so far, <laughs> and we're still right we're ahead of them today. Admittedly, they've got a game over us, but yeah, everything that they've done, and if it doesn't start going, if they don't start well next week and we get ahead of them, you can guarantee that their fans are going to be absolutely peeling at their players. So but, yeah, let's get Robbie, through. Sorry, but even if they're one nil up in the eightieth minute, aye, their fans are still going to be worried in their heads. But the the most important thing for now, for me, just get our broth out the way. That's I know it's such a cliche. I'm a cliche machine right now, but let's get our broth out of the way and then we'll see how we're doing. And again, we'll go into that game up at Tanadice still in a good position, regardless of how the Arbroath game goes. But yeah, if we can go in after taking full points at Arbroath, then oft, what a position that would be. That is, is exactly it. And uh, I am going to bring us um, to a close before we uh, we hit the 90-minute mark and the Rovers start scoring goals into us. So um, thank you once again, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody who's watching as well. Um, thank you to you guys for uh, for talking through that game with me as well. Um, and thank you 
sincerely and massively to everybody at the football club this season for everything that they've done so far. It really has been um, pretty incredible up till this point. And as we've said all along um, this afternoon, uh, we started in the morning, but it's now this afternoon. Um, there's no sign that it's going to stop. So we will see you on um, Wednesday night at Gayfield. We will be back, I believe, Thursday night to talk about it and to look forward to the game at Tanadice as well. And then absolutely, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a really, really big week for us. So um, as I say, thank you, and uh, we'll see you again soon. <laughs>